0: You've reached Hoop and Holler, a square one podcast. I had to go to CBA school, salary cap school, and tampering school. Can't say, hey, I want you to come to the Lakers, even though I'm going to be winking like.
1: <laughs> on basketball and other shenanigans. I mean, good for you. I mean, you probably won't get hired by, you know, ESPN anytime soon. Because you don't got that clutch connection. <laughs> I have a job to do. With Reagan Griffin Jr.
0: Reagan, you're the best, I say, man. Hey, I said, hey, yo, Jermichael, he turns around. I'm like... You know Lakers coming for that ass this year, right?
1: Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Eddie Sun. Some voters just like to be contrarian,
0: you know, whether it's for clicks, whether it's for just because you they, they to like to be contrarian. Yes, you do. That's true. I vote. feel like well, Eddie gonna be the right, type right to be like place. MVP, James Harden. We're not against rap. We're not against rappers. But we are against those
2: analytics to analytics.
1: And Julio Martinez.
2: Braun just frustrates me sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like Okay, you've been hyping up this game. Obviously, it's a big game. He he looks juiced for it. Bro, just score the ball. Everybody just thinks I'm a hater. That is blasphemous. And and, and you know what's that
1: reminiscent of? That was, you know, MVP step season.
0: All uh, right, here we go. Here we go. All right, y'all, it's been a great episode. But at, when it boils down, like, that's what we're here for is the yeah. basketball ball. Welcome
1: to the Saturday and Game 2 Finals recap edition of Hoop and Holler. I'm your host, Eddie Sun, and joined by a very tired Reagan Griffin and also very tired Julio Martinez. I am also very tired. We're fresh off just a mini little hoop session. Um, how do you feel, guys?
2: Tired? I mean, we played for a cool hour and a half. We did like three games or two games of horse, two uh, three-point shooting competitions, and... Just a bunch of twenty-one and one-on-ones. And who was getting the upper hand? <laughs> it was crazy, like, Julio. It's, it's it was crazy. tough. It
0: was tough. I did not mean to bust you bust you out like that, bro. Whoa. <laughs> <It was> a, <laughs> oh, Eddie Eddie's my witness. Like, okay, be be real. This guy, this guy's a former college hooper, bro. We all know what we saw out there. The score, if we we, if we were keeping track, you probably would have tripled my points if we're being real. But a couple good buckets in there. I'm still trying to learn. I know every time I play Julio, I'm gonna get a little bit better. So. We yeah we out here we out here trying to get better so I can play pickup basketball it's it's not a better coach out here than Julio Martinez I promise we don't
1: just talk hoop we can also show a little bit on the court as well maybe not me but the other two um,
0: yeah, yeah. but <laughs> don't throw, don't throw me out there now people are gonna be like you know end goal is the celebrity all star game I keep putting that out there. I'm going to play in that game one day, and I will win MVP because I will be the only one taking it seriously. So. And the good, <laughs> thing, the good
1: thing is, you don't even have to be good to make the Celebrity All Star Game. You don't.
0: You just gotta be famous, right? <laughs> so, gotta be famous. Exactly.
1: All right. Let's get into um. Before we get into this finals game, let's start with some uh storylines that came out since we dropped the last episode. Two of which coming by word of mouth of Kyrie Irving. Um, I guess I'll let you start, Julio, because you seem to have a lot on it. I mean, which one? Which one even? seemed like the most uh or more um just outrageous statement by him like the one about Whoa. the coach or the one about playing with a guy who can take the last shot
2: neither neither sounded outrageous to me Oh mm-hmm. so
1: you agree with him on this
2: Kind of yeah so on the coach thing first to me he all all he did was tell the truth and is it maybe not necessarily a hard truth but like a maybe something you shouldn't say, uh, like stepping on somebody's toes. But it's the truth. Like these players don't need a system, like a, a concrete system. He said I don't, we, we don't need a head coach that's going to – he didn't say we didn't need a head coach. He said we, we don't need a head coach who's going to tell us, you know, go run on the first day, implementing, you know, a specific system on us. That's, that's not what they that's – that's not what they need. That's not what these players do. That's not what they excel at. So he's right that they don't need a concrete system, that they're going to run every play down the floor. And, you know, everybody says, oh, if I was Steve Nash, I'd be so offended. Like, what the hell? They just hired me. Uh, uh, You you know, you're undermining me already. Acting like Steve Nash didn't know what he was signing up for. This is what Steve Nash signed up for. You don't think he knew or had conversations with KD and Kyrie. You know, this is a partnership. And, and, you know, if that's the way you guys want to run things, that's the way you you, you guys want to run things. Will it work? I, I don't know. But if you guys think Steve Nash is, like, somehow offended by this, no, all of them are on the same page. It's all, you know, equal ground. We all have a say. We all, you know, we're all crazy basketball heads. Now, again, is it going to work? Maybe, maybe not. But th- this is what Steve Nash signed up for. So I don't want to hear that, you know, they're offended. And, again, this is what – KD and Kyrie need, you know, not only to their games on the court, but to their personalities. They need a guy who they're going to trust, you know, not only, you know, in, in necessarily like schemes and, you know, basketball IQ, but a guy who who's not going to go behind their back, talk to management bad about them or, you know, a, a guy they can really, you know, feel close to and have, you know, true input in. That, that that's why I think, you know, people are blowing this out of proportion.
0: Here here's where I get a little messed up. Um when you word it the way Kai and we all understand, we talked about it last episode, we got into the semantics of whether or how much a, a player has power, right? How much the power the player has versus how much power the coach has. And we all understand this is a player-driven league. But when you say it the way Kyrie said it, you almost make it seem as though there's no, I wonder whose shoulder this falls on when, when things, if they go awry, who's the guy riding the ship? Because when you say we can have Steve or, or Steve Nash and, and Kevin Durant and I could be a coach and this, that, and the other, I get the idea of wanting to serve as a collective, but I also need somebody to like know who's directing the ship. You have a LeBron James-led team, right? The coach isn't the one leading the ship. It's the it's LeBron James. You look at any franchise, you can tell who's the guy taking charge here. And I look at that Nets franchise, and I'm not exactly sure who, who's, the, who's the guy taking charge, which makes for a complicated situation if things do go awry. Because I, I'm not going to say that it's going to be a whole lot of finger-pointing or whatever, but it, it could get into that situation to where you know th- there might be some blame to be spread around and we're not exactly quite sure who it goes yeah. on. Because you can't blame it on the coach once you've said, yeah. we don't even need a coach.
2: No, I, I, I'm not saying that it's the best way to run a team or an organization, but all I know is that within that locker room, they know what they're about. And, and it's not going to be, you know, at, at least between Nash... Uh, Kyrie and KD, it's not gonna be any like beef. Oh of course they're all, they're all gonna they're all tight knit. They all know what they gotta do. They all know what they signed up for. So it, it's it's not like they're stepping on each other's toes. They they know what they're about. Now it, again is it gonna work? Maybe, maybe not. But
0: Yeah.
1: And yeah. um I think this is just one of those cases where Kyrie says something and phrases it in a way that seems really outlandish and honestly it can be taken pretty outlandishly. But also, there is a ton of like, just hidden truth behind it, and you can't really deny it. Um, I said that when they did hire Steve Nash because it was a surprise hire, that this had to have been something that Kyrie and KD checked on, uh, checked off on, and not just like upper management.
0: I even checked off on, but really pushed, pushed for, for it. Probably
1: yeah. so. No
0: matter what.
1: Um, like no matter what someone wants to frame it, like the you know how how media reports on it, how the team puts out statements, like even if they want to say that there is like a hierarchy where the coach has more say than the players or has more influence in the players, we know that's not true because again we know who put Steve Nash in this place and that's Kyrie and KD. So no matter what happens um we like we know what the power dynamics are and i think it's actually good on Kyrie that he's never really shied away when he kind of addresses stuff like this and that it, it obviously rubs a lot of people the wrong way because it's so you know out of the status quo mm. you know it's not it's not kind of the, the the normal uh way to do things yeah but also i think that's just again it's it's true right like if Kyrie said that like no like we're all you know, have a lot of deference for Steve Nash, like, we're all like his subordinates or something like that. Like, we're all gonna be very, you know, adhering to like, whatever he says, like, we know that's not really true. So at least at least I think props to him for saying that even though it's just we know the history of Kyrie and K D yeah. and you know, like how they ended up in Brooklyn in the first place. There was a lot of like undermining, there was a lot of distrust and coaching and authority.
0: But I feel like
2: here's different because they're all on the same page. Right, mm-hmm. right
0: now, and this is what I kinda get confused on is like I said, when things go awry, say we get into a game situation. Um, we're coming down to crunch time, and we want to run the offense a certain way. And Nash has a vision for how it should function. KD has a different vision for how it should function. Kyrie has a different vision for how it should function. How do we hash that out? How do we shoot? Like, I have a vision, right? You, I know you Pick do. Pick and right? roll what, it, with KD and Kyrie. I mean, is everyone willing to be on the same page there? When we do have a clashing of. of personal visions, because they come into it, right? Kind of a kumbaya. We all understand what we want to do. We want to go out there together. Um, but that's not always how things play out, right? That's kind of a uh, idealistic, utopian uh, version of what basketball could be. But nine times out of ten, it's not going to play out like that. So I'm wondering when those disagreements do come up, how does that get rectified? How does that get handled? And,
2: and again, I, 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 I'm not necessarily saying it's the best way to run a team. I equate Steve Nash to kind of a, a, a basketball trainer who's like real cool with all the, you know, all, all the top-notch dudes. And, and when you're real close to players, it can sometimes, you know, be a problem because you can let them overstep you and, and take over a team, uh, which, you know, might happen in this scenario. But I don't know. I, I think I think they're all, they're all going to be good and, and, you know, on the same page and fine, you know, despite what the media says. But on the other point, uh what what do you say uh well i
1: mean reagan mentioned right like oh how how do they figure out like oh late game situation who uh, goes to who well Kyrie said that for the first time in his career he's playing with a player that is as is more comfortable i think that's what he said it's more the, comfortable truth. the last shot
0: you <laughs> again, know in his career again in, it, in kevin Durant. it doesn't
2: and this is Kyrie's thing this, this is what kind of eddie spoke to uh that you know, Kyrie sometimes oversteps what he says a bit, just because he's all about he cap though. But he, quote,
0: unquote, though.
2: <laughs> but he you don't it, cap though. It's because it's because he's all about you know freedom of thought. You guys are not going to restrict what I say or what I what's going through my head. I'm not going to let anyone dictate or or you know uh, you you know direct my my train of thought and what I say. Th- this is what Kyrie's about. So he's going to say what he believes, and I think he's right. Bron is not a better option than Kyrie late in a game. It, it's, it's just fact. Like Ky- Kyrie, the only thing Bron has on Kyrie is obviously his big frame. He can probably drive to the ba- basket better. But again, I mean, Kyrie's one. In, in my opinion, he's the best finishing point guard of all time. He he can shoot the mid range. He can shoot the three. I mean, I don't have to go through any, everything. But bro is just a better option late in a game than LeBron. I mean, that to me that's just factual. To me, the only one better than to you know better than Kyrie to me is maybe Dame and, and KD. Those those are like the only two guys.
0: Mm. I mean that, that. I mean, so let me clarify the statement real quick because this is not something I'm familiar with. He said this is the first time in my career I'm next to somebody who's more comfortable taking the last shot than I am.
2: I I thought he said I'm. This is the first time in my career where I feel like I can like leave it to another guy. Kind of. Mm. Yeah. Kind. interesting I, I, so he's willing to do that like like, like they are they're the same as me or better than me yeah that, I'm basically he's saying
1: that like LeBron was not as good in clutch time as he was in KD. Is,
0: that's I mean, fact! He's, I mean, he's not he's not capping, right? That's right I, I mean that, there's 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 a reason why Kevin Durant is the greatest scorer that this game's ever seen and clutch scenarios the the greatest scores tend to prevail so I'm mean I'm again I'm a guy who's been skeptical of uh, Kyrie in the past right like I, I remember way back in the early days of this podcast he said something about Leadership, I think. he was talking about. I mean, he said that they need another guy on that team. Yeah, that's what it was. That's, that, what that's it was. They the only said,
2: thing that really pissed
0: me. He off. said they yeah. needed another guy, and you know, I I kind of bashed on Kyrie for it because I I was like, how do you always say these things that rub people the wrong way? It makes you look like a bad leader. But you know, every every time it kind of plays out to where Kyrie really wasn't all that wrong. So. In my mind, he's earned the benefit of the doubt, so if he feels comfortable with giving the ball to Kevin Durant in that situation, and you know there's not going to be conflict there, by all means, this seems like it could function properly, right, if, if he's willing to play a deferential role, because I think that's one thing that Kyrie has learned over the course of his career, is he's been a little bit humbled after leaving LeBron and saying, okay, maybe I'm not the guy, maybe I'm not the LeBron has he, James. Has he been humbled, though? I mean, you got to be humble if you're willing to not take the last shot. Is that something you think he would have said or, or, or been willing to do if he was a Celtic still? I, I mean, think I
2: understand where you're coming from. Like like from Kyrie's perspective, just, he probably doesn't feel like humble.
1: I don't – well, how I see it is ever since he's essentially requested a trade from the Cavs, he's basically embarked on this kind of uh, self-mission of trying to prove that he's no longer – in LeBron, LeBron's shadow, and and he's been so far removed from those Cavs days, but there's still you know times where he takes little digs at like the Cavs team and and LeBron, and I don't know, there's there's clearly something within him that that you know it doesn't sit right with him. Still, you know when when LeBron might have uh, uh, or when someone asked Kyrie if LeBron was like a father figure to him, and and like also all, all sorts of patronizing yeah. things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, like even when he was in Boston. And you know, by the by, the last year he was in Boston. All of the reports about you know him undermining the team and, and and you know not not being great for the team culture. And then I mean, even the initial reports in Brooklyn. I'm not exactly sure if if, if Kyrie has ever humbled himself. Um, if anything, he's gained more independence. And I don't know if anyone has reined him in per se. And I don't think anyone should like the that that kind of. Um, the way people talk about like, oh, Kyrie is so like unhinged or something like, you know, he, he's such a disruptor. He's such a whatever, a, a locker room cancer or something like I think that that's it, it's just not a good way to phrase for someone as talented as him to, to insinuate that uh, he's not good for a team is, is kind of silly.
0: Well, I, I'm, I guess I'm basically my point is that it takes a level of humility to admit, hey, there's probably a better guy to be taking the shot than me. Because, you know, most players, when we talk about mama mentality, most guys, the ideal sort of uh, mentality would be, give the ball to me, I want the ball, I want the last shot. It takes a level of humility to say, you know, as good as he's been in this clutch situation, this is a guy that hit one of the biggest shots in NBA Finals history. And to still say, you know what, KD's probably better at it than I am. Well, yet. I
1: mean, if you play with KD and you're still trying to say that you're a better late-game option than KD, then I think at that point, you've really... <laughs> like, but but if Kyrie, no, history. but
2: what he said is that uh, whoever has it going that night,
1: whoever and has that's it fact.
2: If Kyrie has it going that night more than KD, I'm going to Kyrie.
1: Hmm. I mean, the funny thing is, we know that Kyrie and KD are both players that haven't shied away from, um, perhaps you know, like creating a, a stirring up a little bit of chaos. And it'll just be funny because you know, next year we'll hopefully, right, fingers crossed, the first year that they both are healthy on the court. And that team is at full capacity, um, and it, it could go so right.
2: It can go so wrong, and it too. can go so yeah, wrong. Yeah. But
1: uh, if nothing else, it'll it'll just be um, they'll probably one of the more interesting teams to follow Definitely. next year. But um, as for their Eastern Conference competition, the Sixers announced that Doc Rivers would be their head coach um, for next season, and I'm not sure to be beyond. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's they're finalizing four year deal. I, Four-year deal? Mm-hmm. I see, and um, news is that. It all happened in really short order that uh, the Sixers had a deal with Mike D'Antoni pretty much uh, uh, like a handshake deal. And then Doc Rivers got fired. And then the next day he met with Sixers brass and they, they wanted him really badly. Um, or at least uh, the ownership and uh, like ownership really did. And then, I mean, he, he got the deal. Um, so I don't know, like, how what do you guys think of the fit? I know just two days ago. We were literally just talking about how Doc Rivers deserved, you know, another stay in LA. But yeah,
2: I, I, I don't know. I, 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 mean, I, I don't think the Mike D'Antoni thing would have been would have been good for the Sixers. Um, but with Doc Rivers, he was obviously going to choose. I mean, I, we we mentioned it. Like that's why he left Boston. That's why he requested to leave Boston. Um, and he was actually traded to the Clippers. Huh. Well, the Clippers
1: wanted him in Boston. Newton knows how to get assets. Yeah, so they, they literally
2: traded their coach uh, to the Clippers because he didn't want to stay for a rebuild. Um, and, you know, that uh, since he got fired, you know, that I mean, that's why he wasn't going to go to, like, the New Orleans Pelicans or, you know, let's say if the Bulls' job was still available or if the Kings' job somehow became available. He wasn't going to go to those teams. So the only team that's uh quote-unquote contender or, you know, a, a team with big names is – uh, the Sixers obviously. And I don't know how that's going to work out. He's, uh, he obviously knows some of those guys uh, it, it, like Tobias Harris and he got, you know, the best out of him, the best year out of him when he was with the LA Clippers. Um, but yeah, at the beginning, at the very, very beginning of the season, I, uh, for our predictions, I said that the Sixers were going to make it out of the East because I thought their team was so talented and they had so many guys. They went so deep But now, man, I I don't know. I just look at them so sideways and so differently now where I I can't trust them even with Doc at the helm.
0: I mean, for me, it's like as much as I was caping for Doc Rivers, right? Because I was the one hammering the table saying that he shouldn't have been fired. But, you know, what I appreciate about Doc Rivers is that he's a culture guy. He's a leader. He sets the tone he's not the best X's and O's guy. And I think that's what the 76ers need more than anything is somebody that yes. can figure out how to make Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons work together. Um, and that I don't think Doc Rivers is going to be able to do that any better than uh, Brett Brown was able to. So You I, could I, argue
2: they need both. Uh, they some, need someone who can get through to Embiid to like eat right, you know, condition everything and play hard, and Ben Simmons to shoot.
0: And that, that, mm-hmm. those two things kind of operate in different spectrums. I feel like somebody who gets into players' asses a little bit and somebody who sets a team culture, they kind of coincide. But those are also two separate things because Phil Jackson is a guy that sets a really good culture, doesn't really get into his players' asses like that. So um, I don't know. I don't feel like Doc Rivers necessarily raises this team ceiling a whole lot. And,
2: again, if I'm Doc Rivers, what I do is uh, – I, I feel like coaches are always better suited to take a year off. Mm. Reli- like – uh, even if you don't want to take a year off, at least take some, you know, months or you know, a few weeks. Bro was hired after three, four days. It's like, well,
1: I mean, if he wasn't I hired would, in these days, and he would have be looking at G League, you know, opportunities. On, I mean, like, I
0: mean, next year, yeah. Have, was just saying, just chillax, give it a year. No, like I get, I get what you're saying. Once Kevin Durant think, and Kyrie force Nash back out, you know? do, do you think <laughs> okay. this
2: team was better or the Houston Rockets job is better?
0: Mm. Cause
2: um, well, people I mean, well, say that the West is tougher. Well, I, I mean, kind of doubt that. Yeah. I feel like the East
1: is getting tougher. I also now. see it like this: that um, when when we talk about the Houston Rockets job and the reason why Mike D'Antoni left that job was because he was so tired of their owner Tillman fertita always trying to meddle meddle in his business, uh, his and Daryl Morey's business essentially, and he wanted to retire after coaching a couple more years there and call it you know a coaching career. But he was just like, I can't deal with this anymore. Um, at the same time, the Sixers' management and ownership isn't exactly much better either. Um, I think Sixers ownership wanted D'Antoni and Elton Brand wanted Ty Lue, and they couldn't
0: come to consensus. Mm-hmm. And when why Dockers would you became, want
2: D'Antoni though if you're I mean, that team? I mean,
0: for the Seventy Sixers, I feel like that's a better fit because D'Antoni's an X's and O's guy. If there's anyone, if there's a coach out there that could figure out Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, it's D'Antoni to me. Not to say that there's really, because in my mind, that's kind of a lost cause. You're you're being a dead cow trying to make those two work. But if there's a guy who could figure it out, I I wouldn't put it past D'Antoni to be able to do so. But, I mean, again, at the
1: same time, I feel like Doc Rivers picked a job where he has a lot of tools at his arsenal. And I don't think he's actually a bad X's and O's guy. I don't think he's known for anything super... Uh, like stylistically, very um, like radical, but but like he's kind of like a Frank Vogelish kind of coach. Where it's not like Frank Vogel came into the Lakers and and yeah. did anything like crazy, but he did stuff that was effective. And and he was doing it with the Clippers. He just couldn't execute. Um, I think that Doc Rivers is a good coach for Philly. If if nothing else, um, he's not gonna run the same remedial offenses that Brett Brown did. Like because he again he couldn't figure out uh Brett Brown that is like couldn't figure out at all. You know. The, the purpose of spacing the the you know how to infuse shooting and, and you know movement into the team but um, it, it'll be interesting because the Sixers management again has notoriously been not good um, mm-hmm. like their injury history and and you know all of their all of like kind of the 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 training staff and all of, there's been so much turmoil and like rumors and of course we all remember when their general manager got fired because of the burner <laughs> the account, burner account. <laughs> I mean again like it's what not was a, his name? Uh, Brian Calangelo, yeah. but like you're not going into organization with the best uh, uh, record there. But um, in terms of the opportunities that were available, um, I think this this is Doc Rivers' best
0: opportunity, and um, it probably is the most talented team out there still. I think he would have had more fun playing or going down there with the Pelicans. But I, I want to kind of pose a weird question to y'all. Is that cool? It's kind of weird. Bad. So, Julio, you talked about how Doc Rivers was actually traded. This is, gonna, this is a question that's really out of left field, but what person in the NBA excluding Masai Ujiri because that's kind of obvious what person in the NBA would command the most trade capital that's not a that's not a player Jerry West Jerry West
1: yeah yeah probably maybe maybe um um Sam Presti OKC's general manager maybe Mm -hmm. just because like people revere him around the league or Daryl Morey or Daryl
0: Morey but Nick Nurse comes to mind um that's kind of I don't know, that's kind of a, a few question. years ago.
2: it Probably would have been Popovich, but that's kind of faded yeah. a little bit. Maybe. but yeah, I would I would definitely say Jerry West because he can attract any free exactly. Game. Yeah, mm. interesting. All
1: right, Memphis had him,
2: man. Memphis had <laughs>
0: you
1: know, Always got to be Memphis. Anyways, let's let's push it to this finals game. Um. I, I mean honestly, I'm not exactly sure how to phrase you know takeaways from this game. Um, you know there was no Goran Dragic, there was no Bam Adebayo. Jimmy Butler looked like he couldn't get three inches off the ground. Um, it's it's unfortunate uh, that the finals has come down to uh, such a hobbled team. Um, but nevertheless, Miami fought pretty well, um, kept the game within reach, but never got it to a point where it felt like the Lakers were threatened at all. Um, so, I don't know, like, a- any takeaways from the performance and anything significant that popped out to you guys? Not,
2: not really. I, I just feel bad for the Miami. And, you know, I mean, it, it's... It's tough to say that you feel bad for a team also because, I mean, injuries are a part of the game. But, man, like, it's just tough to see your top three players just either not there or not be themselves. Jimmy Butler, I mean, he had a great stat line, you know, 25, 12, and 8 or 12 and 9, I think. But, bro, I mean, Eddie said it, bro could not get off the ground. But he was just a decoy out there. And he, he no, was, I
0: don't want to go that far. I mean
2: I mean he was driving the ball to the basket, but it was it looked like it was hard for him to get any any basket. It definitely
0: know? was like not the same Jimmy Butler that we become accustomed to, but you guys know how I feel because we've talked about it with KD about a guy who clearly is hobbled. I don't know what his his risk of injury or risk of further injury looks like, but you know, in my mind, it's never good to go out there because he is the face of that franchise, and if he goes down and has something significant happen to him that would, you know, potentially put the rest of his career in jeopardy, by all means, I feel like he sits out. But that's just that's not the you you're not convincing that dude to sit that any games out. Well, are we are we gonna revisit this whole conversation again? I don't want to rehash the entire <laughs> conversation, but again, I, but it's like But
1: what can, I what, can you tell players in the NBA finals, right? This player who's who is a is such a fighter and, and gone going to the finals for the first time, are you gonna tell him to sit out? But it? the dif-
2: the difference is that there weren't reports coming out of Miami saying he there's no freaking way that this injury can get any
0: worse. Again, and I, I don't wanna go down that rabbit hole, but my point is, you know, as Clearly ha- hampered, Jimmy Butler was. Dude played a hell of a game, and I, I got to take my tip my hat to him for that. Um, especially, you know, I mean, getting up and down court, he's even gimpy as hell, man. The dude didn't look right, but still able to put up twenty plus points, have an impact, and, and create stuff for his teammates. Pull down boards to have that sort of impact when you're clearly not yourself, man. That's that that's that's, that's real. And, that's real.
2: And and the Lakers, man, they they're really surprising me. <laughs> like, I mean to. Sure, do it now, but man, if they were doing this all season long, they would they in my eyes at least, you know, there, there wouldn't be this big separation or big gap between them and the Clippers, you know, before the Clippers lost and all that. Mm-hmm. Because the way the Lakers are shooting, it's actually insane. It like, is. Th- this is this is the team, this is the ideal team that A D and Braun need around and that.
0: mind you right the the shooters the the reason they're open right because they were running that zone again and LeBron they threw him in the middle and he was just cutting up cutting up touch passes no look passes over the like dude was hitting just about everything finding open shooters and lo and behold you know God graced the Lakers tonight because they were hitting them Marcus Morris Alex Caruso Rajon Rondo Hitting their open threes. So, you know, that, that that is definitely huge. I mean,
2: yeah. Kyle Kuzma shot 33% isn't terrible. Mar- Markeith Morris shot uh, 40%. Alex Caruso 40%. Rondo was 75%. Unreal, I mean, bro. These dudes were <laughs> like, <laughs> these Unreal. dudes were killing from three. And it's like, if they were doing this all season long, they would have, have you know, had me stressing. But uh, do it now. Sure. <laughs> Let's get this title.
0: It's, it it kind of sucks because it's like they really didn't need it now. We're yeah, looking at the way exactly. this Miami team is it's like we would have loved to have seen that. Um, should there have been a Clipper versus Lakers series, that would have been the time to pull this out of your bag. But um, you know, I guess it bodes well for next year if you want to keep some of these guys around to know that they have this upside shooting wise. It could have been just been a hot night, but um, they were definitely. It was the first time in a long time that I can remember watching that Lakers team and feeling confident and just about everybody but Danny Green to pull a three. <laughs> Danny Green still can't hit a three. Like I'm, We watched him, right, within a span of two minutes, missed the same exact three-point shot from the same exact spot, and it got worse every time. I don't know if that dude has the yips or what, but Danny Green has just not been himself um, really since, you know, the, the entire second half of the season since returning from the, uh, from the hiatus, man. He just ain't been the same dude.
1: Yeah, I mean, he also wasn't great. All season, the season not yeah. like yeah, d- defensively three point shot like wasn't great, but um, definitely should shout out Anthony Davis, thirty two points, fourteen rebounds on fifteen of twenty shooting. Finals I mean, MVP. That's what I'm going toward. Like at this at this point. Um, unless something drastic happens unless,
2: unless LeBron starts averaging 30 and, and I mean
1: that, unless unless I feel like unless he goes on his you know 50 point triple and that range. and that's
2: why I like last game he had 19 points and he could have been subbed out and he they could have won the game by 20 but bro had to get his points up to 25 because that's gonna really you know that six point margin really affects you know Big time if it's like a four or five game series. I mean, I, to
0: hell with the points, man. You can watch the game and see who the most impactful absolutely. player out there is. Like it's I, Anthony again, Davis, clear as day. I think, yeah, I was going to say at the end of the series, the counting stats are
1: probably going to be uh, pretty similarly impressive for both people. But I think when we watch the games, um, it, it's pr- it's pretty obvious, like, who's the, who's the X factor? Who's the difference maker? Like, who's really... Just absolutely dominating the series
0: on both ends, and um. you know, I've been saying this like <laughs> Anthony Davis as great as LeBron. And this is weird because when I think about the best players in the world, I still put LeBron James ahead of Anthony Davis. But when I think about the context of his Lakers team, Anthony Davis is the best player, and that's fine. That is completely okay. That, no, but that's that that, okay. that's what LeBron
2: needs to do. That's with, great if even. he wants to continue his career at a you know at a high rate for you know, four four more seasons, three three four five more seasons, he's going to have to, you know, transition into the second and the third best player. Like, they're going to have to get another playmaker, ball handler, another player that can handle those responsibilities. But this is what LeBron needs to do if he wants to keep playing at a high level in, you know, big games.
1: Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see um, Goran Dragic might be able to come back for a game three, same with Bam.
0: Apparently Bam said he is playing. Like, he okay. feels confident that he is. Interesting.
1: Um We'll see like how they look. Um, I, I mean, given given how well Miami fought in this game, um, who knows? Like, right? Like, maybe with with the players, even if they're like sixty percent healthy, right? At like sixty percent strength, maybe they can get off a game on the Lakers. It almost seems like you know the the shooting has uh, is like bound for just like a mini regression, right? It, it you don't think the Lakers would be shooting at this clip?
2: I haven't forever. seen this all season. <laughs> yeah, I swear.
1: But I don't know. Are you guys looking forward to anything? Like. Um, trying to look for something it's in it's
2: tough i I I wish and, and it's hard to even you know uh kind of envision a Jimmy Butler you know he's fully healthy and fully going at everyone type game but is it just can't happen from what I saw tonight I mean there's not enough like it's not like a week period where he gets a week off like it's literally two days so I mean we're not gonna we're probably not gonna get it
0: Again, man, I, I still feel somewhat cheated out of what I felt like was going to be a pretty entertaining series. Um, and Jeff Hollinger, he, he put out an article that I, I found to be pretty interesting. It was like, why the NBA should be rooting for the Miami Heat. And obviously, I'm not going to root for the Miami Heat. I, in the back of my head, I want them to play better games than they have thus far, but I um, it makes sense because, you know, they're selling this idea of hope, right, to as not a smaller market team, but as like a, a gritty team that doesn't have this superstar and didn't attract all of these free agents. They just came together, um, busted their ass night in and night out, implemented a system that worked and did all of the right things to get to this point. And to have all of that crash and burn to no fault of their own just feels like an injustice, man. It does because it's like they, they did everything right to get to this point. And then it just got unlucky man got unlucky yeah i mean you said like or you tweeted that you felt like this is the worst nba the finals worst I've nba played. finals i've ever seen and it got retweeted by somebody that said the the LeBron, the the last, what was at the last LeBron, yeah, the last Bron warrior, and even then you have like the arguably the greatest player of all time. I wouldn't say it, but arguably the greatest player of all time going up against arguably the greatest team of all time. That's more entertaining than you know two of the top five players in the NBA going up against a hobbled team that no one even thought would be there in the first place. It's like you know that to me this is like you know there's a reason why we started hooping in the middle of the game, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. We was just like it's not even fun to watch. And At no point, because like you said, the heat started coming back a little bit and they kept themselves within range. But as a Lakers fan, I'm watching it. And at no point am I feeling butterflies <laughs> yeah. or yeah. jitters or I'm like, oh, man, they might do something. It's like I, I'm calm because it's like I just know even if we lose this game, it doesn't ultimately matter in the grand scheme of things. Cause it's like hey, there's no way that this team could possibly beat what the Lakers have put forward. And, and it, it just sucks, man. There's, it, it takes the fun out of the entire thing for me when you – there's no um, mystery to it there, there's no um anticipation everything's kind of just already settled before that kind we of got the nature into of competition is kind of out the window at this
2: Yeah. Point. Yeah and, and again I just want to remind people a fully equipped and fully healthy Miami Heat team is uh, is they're not da- maybe they are down 2-0 but they're you know they're these are close at least closer much closer games and th- this series would not be going you know, 4-0 or a sweep with a fully healthy, fully equipped Miami team. I just want to throw that up.
0: No way. No way. I mean, mm-hmm. we've seen what they were able to accomplish, right? They, they you know, blew one to – not blew one. They they gave one to Indiana. They went in there and punched uh, uh Milwaukee in the mouth. They went in there and punched Boston in the mouth. That team was going to come with something. They were coming with something guaranteed. That's why I hate – you know, people kind of tooting their own horn at the fact that saying the Lakers were going to dominate this series because this is not the team that, you know, was supposed to be playing this series. This is a completely different hobble team. This is like saying, I uh, you know, I- I'm going to beat Julio one on one later, but now that his shoulders messed up, I'm going to like you know, it is like that's a completely different version of the dude, man. You can't you can't gloat at that. That's. It just feels it feels it feels solid it feels solid you know when people look back at this championship these are the sorts of things that they're going to talk about even if you're a lebron fan this is the things that people are going to talk about in terms of his legacy well that's the easiest championship anyone's ever won all you did was play uh portland when when damian lillard was hurt you played who was the second round uh, Houston, Houston. When you know Daniel House got sent home because he had a girl in his hotel room, and then you went and played Jamal Murray, uh, you know, and they just got hot and beat the Clippers or whatever. And then you played a hobbled Heat team. Like no one wants to win like that, man. The fun. The, the, I, this is the one thing I've kind of found about sports because I'm a person that really loves the idea of competition, right? But I found that winning isn't where the joy comes from. It's the process of winning, right? That, and that 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 get from from point A to point B, all the things that happen in between, that process is where the joy comes from. And now once you get to the pinnacle and you reach the mountaintop, that's when you feel like you've achieved something. But when that process is the way that this Lakers, um, it, you just feel cheated out of it, man. Mm-hmm. You feel cheated out of something that really would have been truly great and I don't want to take anything away from this team when it's all said and done because it looks like they're going to win the championship and it's a high impact because you talk about the 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 COVID year you talk about everything that's been happening from a social justice standpoint talk about Kobe Bryant obviously it means a lot but it would have been so so much greater if I got to see some game sevens if I got to see some moments where LeBron had to come up extremely clutch when the back was against the wall and you weren't sure if something was going to be in your favor but it it just just kind of felt like we walked through this 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 series yep all right i guess that'll
1: wrap it up for this episode of hoop and holler thanks for tuning in we'll have episodes after every game of the finals and that might only be two more games by the way this series is looking um as always be sure to check out our social media accounts at sqr1hoops on twitter and instagram um i'm firing off tweets on the twitter account and we'll have content posted (laughs) regularly on the instagram account As always, thanks for tuning in to Hoop and Holler. We'll catch you next time. This has been the Hoop and Holler podcast.